Welcome to the 264th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Sherilyn Kenyon, best-selling author of Urban Fantasy and Paranormal Romance. Stay tuned for the interview. This episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast is brought to you by Libro.fm. Libro.fm is the first and only company which lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. Support your favorite local bookstore, and you can pick from more than 125,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know who I'm talking about, but you'll be part of a different story, one that supports your local bookstore. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out the recommendations and curated list from the people who know audiobooks best, your local bookseller. There's a special offer now for reading and writing podcast listeners. Get three audiobooks for the price of one, $14.99, with your first month of membership. Just use the code RWPODCAST. Again, that's Libro.fm, purchasing audiobooks from your local bookstore, and use the code RWPODCAST. So welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is New York is number one New York Times bestselling writer, Sherilyn Kenyon, author of many novels, including the series The Dark Hunters, The League, and Chronicles of Nick. Kenyon's most recent novel, Stygian, is the latest in her Dark Hunter series. Sherilyn, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Great. Well, if someone listening hasn't read a Dark Hunters novel, how would you describe the Dark Hunter series and how would you describe your latest novel, Stygian? Oh, they're mad, bad, and immortal. They're fun. They're, I don't know. This is like asking me to, to describe <laughs> my children. Uh, they're brilliant. They're, they're, I, I don't know. <laughs> that, that sounds terrible. Wait a minute. No, gosh, when my kids were little, I, I had them convinced. They, they started grade school and they actually introduced themselves as uh you know, they'd give their name and go, I'm handsome baby boy genius. And they didn't think that was funny. They still don't. They're like, Mom, you embarrassed me horribly. So I'm a bad person to ask. But uh, Sijian is about the bad guys. I finally got to actually, well, a couple, well, I say a couple of years ago, I had this bad, like, time dysplasia. But, you know, I, uh, well, gosh, I guess it's been, what year are we in? 2019. So 12 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. 13 years, 12, 13 years ago, I went and did uh, One Silent Night where I got to go into Stryker's point of view, who's the main bad guy. But this looks at his, um, his well, surviving son now. But anyway, so it goes into Urien's point of view where I start at the beginning, kind of like I did with Ash and Sticks. So you get to see when the first generation of bad guys were cursed. Uh, in my series, the vampires don't live forever. They only live for 27 years. And what they have to do is take human souls to live another day. So it kind of examines what would you do if you, your entire race was cursed for something they didn't do. And you found yourself, there's no way to avert other than take a human life to live one more minute. And so it examines that very first generation where they 
were born into this curse that they had no part in and having to, to come to grips with, I'm going to die at 27 unless I do something really foul. And the ones who chose to live and the ones that chose to die. And so anyway, I thought, I, I think it's kind of cool, but you know, what do I yes. know? I'm the mom. So, <laughs> well, do you remember the original idea that led you to writing the first dark hunter novel? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, it was one of those things where I was working as an editor for one of those small press magazines where, you know, they pay you in copies and love. Um, my boss is sitting there, you know, God, we, we could barely cover ink and paper and we're, you know, had an office of two, him and I, and, you know, Mike sitting there, he's like, Sherry, I need you to write me a serial where we can actually have subscribers who will pay us so that one day we can afford food. And I'm like, okay. Can I write vampires? And he looks at me going, what part of science fiction on the masthead did you miss? And I said, the part where I get to write vampires. <laughs> it's like, ah, okay, whatever. You know, if you can get us one more subscriber than the two we already have, I'll be happy. So I said, okay. And then I realized I have no ideas. So, you know, vampires seemed like a good idea. Oh, okay. I'll get back to you on that. So at the same time, the other job that I had was working for a local newspaper. And we were doing this whole thing on, um, it was Halloween time. So one of the summits I had was doing these articles on myths and legends. So I decided I was going to be really studious and use this as an opportunity to go suck up to my professors. And I'm in uh, after class, I'm in there talking to my professor during his office hours. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be studious. And so I've done research. <clears throat> And I've noticed that a lot of the legends go back to ancient Greece and no one's ever picked on the God Apollo. And he's God of, oh my gosh, he's God of the sun and he's God of plagues. And then I stopped and I went, yeah, no one's ever done that. Yeah, wait a minute, wait a minute, I got an idea. And I literally like ran out of his office in the middle of the interview, which, you know, that there's so, so much for my bonus points in class, right? I went back to my dorm. I'm like, okay, oh my God, I got a great idea for a series. Oh, yeah, we can have the Dark Hunters because it's Sister Artemis. She's got us in the hunt. They're twins. Oh my God, we can work with this. Holy cow. And it just kind of everything coalesced in that one heartbeat. And so then I started going, okay, and we've got like these great characters from others. You know, I've been running this high fantasy series that nobody would buy. So I'm like, yeah, we got like this great thief, Talon. Yeah, he's a kilt. That'll work. So, yeah. Next day in class, my professor's like, did we ever finish that interview? <laughs> no, but I have an awesome series. <laughs> so, well, among the many characters that you've written, do you have a favorite? All of them? That's like asking which son's my favorite. They're all my favorites. Unless they've done something really bad, like set my kitchen on fire. <laughs> well, well... I know that you've now written more than a hundred novels. And as I mentioned earlier, you have three active series. Can you still remember selling your first novel? What was that experience like for you? Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was amazing. It was, you know, vindication. Yay. For five and a half seconds. Till I realized I had dirty dishes in the sink. I had to go clean. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was like, oh my God, I made it, I made it. I forgot how to dial my mother's phone. I'm severely dyslexic. And it was a number I'd had my whole life. It's actually an easy number, 996-5747. How easy is this number? And it literally took me 45 minutes to dial my mother to tell her. 
Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That is how bad I am dyslexic. So, and, yeah. and how did you find out? Through a phone call or a letter? You know, I don't do anything the normal way. Most people, they call you. No, I, again, worked all these odd jobs. And they, my editor had assigned me, here, there's a new editor in town. You go call her and interview her. I'm like, I've got a submission with her. Why would you do this to me? <laughs> So, yeah, I called her to interview her, and I'm like, hi, I'm trying to sound really professional and not nervous at all. And as soon as I gave her my name, she's like, I know you. I was going to call you later. And I'm like, oh, God, she's going to reject me in person. I've hit a whole new level of hell. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm not calling about the submission. I swear to God. She's like, no, no, no. I'm going to buy the book. I'm like, what? And then I heard nothing. And it it was like, (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, yeah, and then I think I hung up on her. I'm, you know, <laughs> wait, wait, what was her phone number? And then I had to go look that up. Oh, my God, it was a disaster. When, when that happened, did you ever envision that you would have the publishing su- success that you now have? Of course, I'm a writer. I've imagined being queen of the universe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no and yes. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to lie and say, no, I did not imagine being J.K. Rowling. Of course, we're writers. We all imagine that. Um, but no, yes, no, yes. No. So, so what is the what is the writing process like for you? Do you outline your novels, or is it all organic for you? Uh, I'm a bad pantser. You know, I, I tried plotting once, and then I lost those notes and couldn't read them when I found them. So, my handwriting's atrocious. <laughs> and and I know the the publishing world has changed a lot uh, while your career has flour- flourished. If you were starting over today, would would you consider self-publishing or do you think you would pursue a traditional publishing deal? I, You know, I think that for me, well, you know, I do hybrid stuff now. So some of my stuff I have done um, independently. I think every writer has to make that determination for what it makes them happiest. You know, it, I, I would never tell anybody you should do this or that. You know, li- life is your own happiness. So um, it, I don't know. What would I do today? It depends. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. I had so many doors slammed on me. My career's kind of went. <laughs> you know, flourished and floundered. So, sure. yeah, I don't know what I would do. I'm glad I don't have to find out. Yeah. Or maybe I will. I don't know. <laughs> Neither success nor failures ever permanent. So who knows? Not good. I don't know what tomorrow will bring them. I try not to look forward. It's kind of a scary place. And and so when when will your next novel be published? Um, September. What month are we in? <laughs> it's been that kind of month. It's January already. Yes, Holy January. God, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Um, that one is at Death's Door. So that's the last of my trilogy for the Dead Men's series, Dead Men's Cross, and I'm kind of sad to see my pirates go. Yeah. It's, have have you have you enjoyed have you enjoyed writing pirates? Oh my gosh, yeah. I st- well, I started doing them back in the '90s, and I actually had a lot of paranormal in the first two that I did. But my editor at the time was like, "Told you you can't do that. Take that out." So the most she would do is let me put shrunken heads in there. But yeah, Lauren it was hilarious. I actually had Cameron Jack, who's the heroine of the first of the Dead Men's Cross, um, Dead Men Walking, in there, and she was like, "No, no, 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 no. Take her out. Take her out." No, please, can I have a mermaid? No, you can't. So, yeah, it was fun to actually get to finally write the series, and I hate to let them go again. Oh, I still have <laughs> two more books I'd actually like to come back to and write one day. Maybe. Gotcha. I never say never. 
So when you're talking to writers now, given, given your success and, and um, the number of novels that you've written, what advice do you have for aspiring writers? Never say never. <laughs> you know, uh, never give up, never surrender. Yes, thank you, Galaxy Quest. You know, it, it, don't listen to anybody when they try to give you advice. You know, we're all trying to figure it out every day. Just listen to your, your characters. You know, it, it's not an easy business, but it's a fun business. Just, you know, we do this for love and, and always remember that, you know, don't get bogged down by anything. You know, my son's a writer and he's always, mom, you don't know how hard it is to be a writer. You're just going to stare at him going, really? You're not going to say that to me again, are you? But yeah, just, you know, enjoy it while you can. Listen to those characters. They will always guide you through. And you do forget every time you finish a book how to write the next one. So that's normal. And so what do you feel like your biggest challenges have been in, in your career? Every word on that page. <laughs> um, it just, yeah. Oh, God, what hasn't been? I always say there are two things you don't want to ask me about, publishing and pregnancy, because I'll scare you off of both. <laughs> um, you know, the only thing that has not been a challenge is finding a new character that intrigues me. But outside of that, everything, um, you know, the business is challenging. I, you know, I, one of the things that I do in workshops is I don't lie to people, which you can see the look of horror in their faces. It's like it, my children think they're the only ones I traumatize. But um, no, I mean, gosh, every bit of it's challenging. Always trying to find a new way to market the books. Always, you know, I, gosh, everything about writing is challenging. And, and do you feel that you have um, have had editors who didn't really see your vision? Has that been? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had right. I've had editors who've actually gone in and like, it, well, the original manuscript of Born of Night. There are entire paragraphs in there I didn't write. Where my editor's like, "What did you do? I did not put bullets in that manuscript, people." Um, yeah. It's like, where did that section come from? That's not my work. So, yeah, those are always fun little nuggets. <laughs> and and, and, and so what, 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 kept, what kept you going through those, through those um, situations and those challenges? Uh, the readers and, and the characters. You know, there, there's nothing better than to have that one reader come up to you and go, I love the book. I love what you did. I love the characters. And, you know, the people in your head, it's, you know, those, ah, you know, what I tell my son, what I tell all writers in the workshops when I'm teaching them is, you know, I, the way I look at characters is they're real people on some level. And I think that what they do with writers is they walk among us and they're window shopping going, hmm, you know, I like that book you wrote, but you're just not the one to tell my story. And I think they go around to each of us and they find the one whose voice speaks to them. They go, you're the one I need to tell my story. And so they pick us. And to me, we're almost under an obligation to tell the story for the people who come to us. And I think the greatest tragedy is when that writer quits writing. And it breaks my heart because, you know, I've been doing this now for almost 40 years. Good Lord, yeah, I am that old. Um, but yeah, all the friends that I've seen over the years who've just stopped writing for whatever reason, and when I think of all the people that are in their heads that aren't there or won't ever be heard, 
you know, it, imagine if J.K. Rowling did not write Harry Potter, if Chaucer did not write the Canterbury Tales. And it's like, write them. Just get it out there, you know. Please, don't don't let those voices go unheard. Don't be, let Whoville not go. I, You know, it just, it, it breaks my heart. So as writers, tell it. Even if it, it, it doesn't get published in your lifetime, maybe your kids or your grandkids will find it and go, oh my God, like Kate Chopin, you know. Get it out there. Let it be heard. And were there were there writers that you looked to in terms of how you wanted, um, you know, uh, in terms of career, how you wanted your career to go? I would have liked to have been J.K. Rowling, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah easy. I, you know, hey, look, I had a dream. I woke up and perfect. There it was. Um, yeah, you know, I. But it, life is life, so. What is it John Lennon said? Life's what happens while you're making other plans. <laughs> right. And so, so um, do you do you read a lot now? I read my son's book because he rewrites it all the time. It's like, would you just get it finished? Yeah, he, he's very prolific, but he keeps constantly rewriting. So between his work and mine I'm, and my other son, I've got two writers in my family now. They're constantly drowning me with their stuff, which is awesome, but they've got to stay focused and quit rewriting that. they got to get to the end. <laughs> and and do you do you spend much time researching your novels or, or doing any research in terms of um, legend and, and history? Oh, constantly. I've done that my whole life. I, I grew up just, you know, I was a kid in school with the giant big tones and everybody would laugh at me like, what is wrong with her? I, I'm working my biceps apparently. But um, no, I've always been a huge history buff and, you know, it, my professors all love me. It's like, yes, I, yeah, my poor dad did not. He's like, why are you wasting money on that? Well, if we ever bring Chaucer back, dad, I can communicate with him. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Well, that's all the questions that I have. Did you have anything else that you wanted to discuss in terms of your new novel, Stygian? Um, not that I can think of. Great. Nothing, well, yeah. Well, Bless again, the fans. I love them for, you know, loving the book. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with New York Times bestselling writer Sherilyn Kenyon. Her latest Dark Hunter's novel is Stygian. It's in bookstores now, so go grab a copy. And Sherilyn, thanks for doing this interview. Oh, no, thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.